Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. We've been in this series all summer in Romans 8. Priscilla just read roughly halfway through, and we're kind of hitting that halfway mark. This week and next week is that halfway mark, and this week's message and next week's message start with the word inspired. Um, as, we, as we jump in today, I'm so appreciative of the different voices. There's four different, uh, five different teachers uh, this summer throughout our series, and it's been awesome to hear from Chris and Nathan, and then we're going to be hearing from Barry and John in, the fo- in August, as well as myself. But I want to just encourage you, before I jump into today's talk, it's more than a message. It's more than a series we're in. It's more than just kind of getting through the summer. Uh, Romans 8 is one of those passages we really want to encourage people to get into, to immerse themselves in, to jump into. And we've been encouraging you to read Romans 8 once a week uh, on your own. And also to... What are we doing? Sorry. Oh my gosh. We never dismiss the kids. I missed that. I thought I did. Okay. I've been like getting handshake. Okay, kids, thanks for being with us. You guys can head out into Kids Quest. Yeah, so much info to share after that awesome video that I just got sidetracked. <laughs> Don't you love that sound? I love that. Hopefully online you can hear some of the kids walking out and making good noise. That's good noise. That's good noise. Anyways... Uh, where, where I was at is that I want to encourage us, beyond what you hear me or others say on a Sunday, to dig into Romans 8 on your own, to take the text we read on a Sunday, read it daily, take time to pray through it, let it give you some vocabulary for how to pray, and then use our guide online, on your own or with friends. Um, but I want to jump into today's text. So we're just focusing on two verses, Romans 8, verse 12 to 13. Priscilla already read it. And we get this sense right from here that, again, Paul's kind of giving us this contrast, this life and death, this flesh and spirit, this dying and living. And it's not this literal immediate death that Paul speaks about in Romans 8. It's this idea of existence without God, of life without God. Earlier in Romans, he says the wages of sin is is death, but life comes through Christ. So we're seeing these contrasts. Last week, Nathan spoke from the couple of verses earlier where, where Paul says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us and gives life to our mortal bodies, gives us this new life, both now and into eternity. And here in verse 12 to 13, Paul just briefly pauses and invites, get, check this out, he invites your participation He invites my participation. Verse 13, he says, By the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. Did you catch that? If by the Spirit, and he inserts this word, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We've been learning and growing, understanding how much the Spirit is at work. And here Paul, right in the middle of this chapter, is like, hey, Here's an opportunity for you to lean in, for you to participate in God's work of transformation in your own life. Have you ever had a a significant experience in your life that challenges you to make a major change? Maybe maybe you had a health scare and you saw the doctor and it's like, oh my gosh, I got to like 
change what I eat. I got to add some exercise. I got to figure out my patterns and all this kind of stuff. And that's like a negative thing. It's this negative experience that causes you to make some changes in your life that you need to change into some patterns. Maybe it's been positive. Maybe, um, you know, you remember back if you have a child to when that child was born and that's a positive change. And you're like, uh, oh my gosh, I got to change my life. Uh, This child's going to bring some newness here. Um, Maybe it's a new relationship and you're realizing, oh yeah, I can't just like fill my time with all exactly the same things I filled it before. I have somebody new in my life. And so those are like positive changes. Maybe it's a new opportunity or a new job. But here's the idea that all those things inspire us to make changes that align to some new vision that you're entering into. And this new vision, when we think about it in this text, is following Jesus. Paul is painting this big, beautiful picture of what it means to be in Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit. And that, if it's anything, is a significant experience. And it's a new vision for my life and for your life. And so I want to call today's talk Inspired Intentionality because of this. It's inspired because of the Spirit's work. But it's intentional because it requires my participation. And this new vision of life in Jesus and life into new creation will require cutting off old patterns. Not always some are bad and some are just unnecessary and some just get in the way. When I first got married, I realized that I couldn't organize my life in exactly the same way because now Franco was in my life. And that was a good part of my life. That was a good addition. We were now married. This was a new part of our lives. And now we were entering this journey together. And I realized, well, there's some old patterns that, are limit, that will limit our relationship, that will limit uh, pouring into her life. When I remember when, I first had, when we first had our first child, Andrew, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, how, what about these changes? And there were some changes that needed to be made. Some things that needed to be limited. Some things that needed to be cut off. And it was never meant for my floundering or our floundering. It was meant for flourishing, for this new life. Now, Christianity has often been influenced by the Reformation for good reasons. Back in the 15th century, Martin Luther was convicted with deep passion and brought this critique to the, to the church culture of the time, which was mainly the Catholic Church. And the big idea there, you know, without getting into a big history lesson, is that the church was leaning more and more into getting people to do stuff in order to feel like their faith was relevant or God loved them or they would make it into eternity in some sense. And so things like purgatory, things like indulgences, things like giving money for certain things. And so Christianity since has been influenced by the Reformation. Sometimes the Reformation overreacted to certain things, but for good reasons. And sometimes evangelicals walk, I I like to say it this way, sometimes we walk with a chip on our shoulder. Have you ever heard someone say when, that, you know, for good reason, right? You can't do anything to earn your salvation. That's true. That's a correct statement. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. Jesus has already done it. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus resurrected from the grave. Jesus sent his spirit and poured his spirit into us. We cannot do anything to earn that. There's been times, though, I've chatted with people even in our own church community or other Christians outside of our church community, and I talk about a habit or a pattern, and they immediately say, well, wait a second, that's like works righteousness. That's like 
you're, you're telling me to work for this. And I'm like, no, I'm not, no, no, you're not doing this to earn anything, but it could just be a healthy habit that maybe nurtures what the Lord is doing in your life. And there's a big difference between earning and effort. There's a big difference between earning and effort. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation or earn new creation. But that's very different from effort. And Paul right here in this passage, he adds a little bit of effort language. You put to death the deeds of the body. If by the Spirit, he, it's inspired, it's by God's Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. He says something similar in, the Colossian, in his letter to the Colossian church. He talks about setting your mind on Christ, setting your, your heart on things above. That's also intentional. And then he says, put to death, and he starts to list a few patterns in their life. So when Paul says put to death, he's speaking about intentional participation with the work of of the spirit where the spirit alerts us to areas of our lives that maybe we need to remove or maybe we need to prune if that language like pruning sounds familiar and you're familiar with the scriptures jesus one of jesus's famous passages in john 15 he says abide in me and i will abide in you and you'll bear much fruit stay connected to the vine him but he also says there's a pruning that's often involved to the branches that are connected to the vine so they will grow more fruit. What we're talking about here is putting to death things in our life that work against the work of the Spirit. And it's making room for the life that the Spirit is creating in us. And so when we talk about inspired intentionality, by the Spirit you put to death. See how those two words work together? By the Spirit inspired, you put to death intentionality. It's Spirit-empowered and individually participatory. Those two things work together. And Paul's calling us in this moment to be intentional, to partner with the work of the Spirit. And he's asking us, what are the things in our lives that we can put to death with the Spirit's empowerment, so we will live. So what, what are some of those things? Now, I'm not going to give you a list, because if I give you a list, uh, you might just take that list, and that's the only list you'll work with. It's like, great, Westside gave me eight things that I can remove from my life. Everything else is okay. I, I, I can't tell you all that. I can't give you that list. In fact, even some of the lists in the New Testament are not exhaustive lists. They're examples of what this church was going through or what these people were walking through or some of the struggles that they were facing. But let me first clear something out, something up with what the word flesh means because often when we read the word flesh in a passage like this, we automatically equate everything with the body that's bad. Because my body is not, you know, it's not like it's real, it's flesh, it's blood, and we read things like the sinful nature in our flesh, we think sometimes everything about the body is bad. So any kind of pleasure or experience might be bad. Not, and, and not realizing that not everything that our body feels or does is sinful. In fact, the New Testament actually speaks against this. 
there was, there was a philosophy known as Gnosticism and another philosophy influenced by Plato that would often divide the body and the spirit. And it was such a stark division in the first century culture that Paul, in his letters, had to combat Gnosticism and combat this Platonic idea so much because there were certain Christians that were so influenced by this, this division of body and spirit that they couldn't even fathom that Jesus went to the cross. They couldn't even fathom that God became flesh. They couldn't even fathom that, that, God, that Jesus was fully man and fully God. They said, no, no, that's impossible. Because matter, body, material is all evil and only spirit is all good. And they missed a whole chunk of the story of the scriptures that says God created man and women in his own image. That we would be image bearers. That God's creation started off as good. And so what we sometimes confuse this big division, I want us to understand when Paul uses the word flesh, he's using it in such a way where we in our bodies, in our humanity, will only rely on ourselves. It's just reliance on me and I completely reject God. It's just reliance on myself and I completely reject God. And so the idea of flesh is more like trying to live this life God is calling us to merely in our own strength and also succumbed to some of the ways that our flesh has, has been broken, has been corrupted by sin. And Paul says something interesting. He says, he says you're not in debt to the flesh in verse 12. Debt is something that dominates you, right? I, I don't want to ask anybody's finances here, but if any of you have like a really big credit card debt right now, it's probably dominating your life, right? It probably dominates your mind. If, if you've been in debt in any part of your life, you, you know how much debt dominates. Because you end up living for whatever dominates you or maybe serving whatever dominates you and the Spirit comes and frees you to live for this new creation, this new life that God has in store for life, not death, and Paul says you're not indebted to the flesh. In other words, you're not obliged to live for something that no longer dominates your life. You're no longer obliged to live for something that no longer dominates your life because now, as Nathan taught last week, you're no longer in the realm of the flesh. You're in the realm of the spirit. And so when he says, put to death the deeds of the body, don't mistake in that for some strange theology that would ignore that the body is also created by God. Or some theology that would say, beat the body up, scrap the body, the body's all bad. No, it's putting to death a reliance on your own strength, a reliance on my own strength. But there's more to it, because it's not just about that. It's about this new kind of life that, that is growing in us because we're in Christ and because the Spirit dwells in us. I'm going to invite the band to slowly come up in a minute or two. See what Paul says. I want to read it again. He says, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, and then this little phrase, you will live. That little phrase, you will live, is Paul helping us understand what he's been pointing to throughout this whole chapter and throughout chapters 5 to 8, in fact, that he's pointing us towards new creation. He's pointing us towards the fullness of new life that will take place one day when Christ returns and, as the Scripture says, we will be like him when we see him. 
And as we read last week, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will also give life, and Paul says what? To our mortal bodies. In other words, to who we are, one day we'll be resurrected like Jesus is resurrected. One day we'll be transformed into his likeness fully at new creation. And so when Paul says you will live, he's talking about the future, but he also recognizes that that starts right now. It starts today. By God's spirit, we start living it today. It starts now, but it's fulfilled later. And so here are these two contrasts. To live by the flesh is reducing this wonderful, beautiful vision of new creation that's promised us one day that also starts today because we receive Christ. It reduces that vision of life and it limits us from us ever experiencing it. Living according to the flesh reduces the vision of that life and it limits us from ever living it. But living by the Spirit opens us up to that life right now. Right now. Even though Paul is always pointing us future, always saying even creation groans for redemption, even creation groans for new creation, Paul points us there, but he always helps us understand right now we can experience and start to experience glimpses of that life. But here's where he invites us, and the New Testament invites your participation, my participation. It's inspired intentionality. It's pruning anything, anything that stands in the way. Inspired intentionality, spirit-empowered, intentionally participatory. And I wrote this phrase on the screen just so we can get get a hold of it as we think about it this week. Our participation in the work of the Spirit requires discernment of our attitudes and actions. Our participation in the work of the Spirit requires discernment of our attitudes and actions. It's too easy just to leave this phrase in the Bible. It's too easy just to say, you know, if by the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body, and you might say, yeah, I I put to death the deeds of the body when I came to Christ. I put to death the deeds of the body when, when I started following Jesus. I know this is done. It was done on the cross. Yet Paul is like, actually inviting us to be very intentional here. And that intentionality, our participation, is going to require something of you and me. It's going to require discernment. It's going to require an openness to God actually, he's prompting us, speaking to us, getting our attention. And so I'm going to ask you this question, because I don't want to just kind of give this to us today, because I don't think it's going to work that way. I think it's better if we ask this question and sit with it and let the Spirit work in us. So let me ask you, what's standing in the way? What's standing in the way? The promise is, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So there's this promise for the future, but there's this experience in the present. So what's standing in the way? So think about those two things, attitudes and actions. Maybe what kind of attitudes are standing in the way what kind of attitudes are standing in the way of that life a great way to think about this is imagine the future imagine new creation imagine the description of eternity we find in scripture imagine the fullness of the resurrected jesus and then think of the the kind of attitudes that are that are associated with that Attitudes like generosity, 
joy, uh, pursuing peace, hospitality, graciousness. There's some attitudes associated with that. But now think of the reverse. What kind of attitudes are standing in the way of that? What kind of things that Paul even said in one of his letters in Galatians that work against the fruit of the Spirit? You know, there, there's like um, one really rampant in our culture today is, is uh, it's not critical thinking, but it's more like criticism. <laughs> like, like really kind of like um, not really well thought out criticism. And there's almost like a dissension, like a, like a sense that like everyone's on guard and everyone is not just thinking critically, but is ready to jump and criticize. That's probably an attitude that gets in the way of this new life that God has in store for us. Unhealthy criticism, um, envy, jealousy, anger, quick to be irritated. I don't know, any, anything come to mind? You guys thinking about any attitudes that maybe probably stand in the way? You can shout it out if you want. Write a comment on the, on the feet. What's that? Being offended. Yeah, too easily irritated, too easily offended. There's, so I'm going to just ask you, what are some of the things that get in the way? What kind of attitudes get in the way? Now, I can't give you a list. It's something you need to work through because the scriptures are inviting us to put to death these things. And probably some of these things affect some of you more than others. Another thing is actions. What are some actions that are getting in the way? What are some patterns in your life and my life that would be the deeds of the body that, that very likely need to be put to death? What are, what are some of the actions and patterns in our life right now that are standing in the way of this life that the Spirit is already building in us? Again, I don't know what they are for you. And if you, we, want, we want to talk afterwards, I'd be happy to share a few of my personal ones with you. I don't want to share it on Facebook. But I'll share it with you in the lobby. Because there's a whole bunch, there's, a, there's, a, there's definitely a handful of actions that we're engaged in that are stopping us from experiencing this new life. If you're struggling to think about this, uh, before you pray about it, ask a friend. Ask a sibling. Ask a spouse. Ask a coworker. Say, hey, are there any attitudes or actions that you notice in my life that are pretty destructive? I want you to be really honest. Don't worry. You won't hurt me. You, you won't offend me. It's a good thing. You won't. Just tell me and see if like the Holy Spirit reveals something there. And so here's what I want us to do this week. Really simple is just to pay attention. Pay attention to these deeds of the body. Pay attention to these attitudes and actions to discern and then be ready. Here, here's, the, here's the thing though, because I, I believe, you know, the, the, the scriptures tell us that the spirit convicts us. So I believe that when we're open, the spirit's going to prompt us. So we can discern and we can get some like understanding there. But the next step is the harder part. The next step is to be ready and willing to put them to death. Ready and willing to put them to death. These deeds, these attitudes, these actions. So we can live. I'm going to give us a chance just to spend some time with God. And even you, those of you watching online, uh, we're going to just step into a moment of worship with song. And I'm going to give us a chance just to, just to think about this, reflect on this and worship together. And then I'll be back after to pray.
Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we just open our hearts and minds and lives bare before you right now. Help answer that question. Holy Spirit, what stands in the way? What attitude or action? What deed of of the body? What over-reliance on self? God, we're desperate to hear, receive, discern a prompting from your spirit for areas of our life right now that are standing in the way, that are an obstacle. We thank you that we are no longer indebted to the flesh, but we're overwhelmingly responsive to the work of your spirit that dominates our life. And God, as you prompt us this week, as some of these things come to mind, oh God, give us the strength, the faith in both belief and action to not just discern, but respond and put to death, stop, let go, surrender. God, help us see the beautiful, bigger picture of new creation, of new life, of eternal life that is promised one day, but that is started already today as we respond to Christ and as we're filled with your spirit. And God, help us to, uh, even though we can't see it sometimes, recognize the beautiful, wonderful ways that the work of your spirit will lead our lives in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.